The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. There is not much to get too excited about, so we're going to start going one, two, three, four through who we think the Cardinals are actually going to assign as their one through five, even though for fantasy purposes, it's not the case. Should not start with Adam Wainwright, but you got to expect the man is going to start an opening day. 11 and 12 record last year, 191.2 innings, 371 ERA, 128 whip. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. 128 whip, 128 whip. Uh, Only an 18% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. And here's the problem. Wainwright's sinker is kind of terrible. Had a 25% called strike rate, but low O swing on it. Super hittable constantly. And I think the reason that it was able to be as effective as it was is sequencing. Wainwright and Molina, for a long time, understand sequencing and were able to sneak in those fastballs, mix in those curveballs and cutters. And even through all of that good sequencing, yeah, 128 whip. Super hittable last year. I'm I'm worried that uh, this is the last year of Wainwright. And we, I mean, we've been saying that for about three years now, but really, this is the last year of Adam Wainwright, and it's not going to get prettier. It's going to get worse from the 371 ERA, 128 whip, 18% K rate. The curveball carried just a 10% swing strike rate and a 251 batting average allowed, which is fine, but if for, for being that pitch that Wainwright needs it to be, it needs to be better than that. Though it did have a 33% CSW and a 21% hard contact rate. There's also the cutter and changeup, but neither of them were exceptional by any way. I, uh, you know, really the cutter is the one, not the, there isn't really a changeup. It's not good enough. It's, it's kind of meh. And that's it with Wainwright. I don't want to go in on this. I can stream him and that's about it. I really don't want to go after Adam Wainwright. I mean, especially I should mention the Cardinals are getting the Blue Jays and then the Atlanta Braves to start the year. It is Brewers, but then it's course. It's really bad in the beginning. I think in general for the Cardinals pitchers, you're okay. Just kind of skipping the first couple of weeks and seeing where everybody's at after that. And Miles Michaelis is someone that in previous years, last two years, we've been able to take advantage of in uh, grabbing him early. Really last year, I should say. Grabbing him early and then holding on surprisingly through the entire year. 202 innings last year for Miles Michaelis. 12 and 13 record. 329 ERA. A 103 whip. 19% 19% carry, 5% walk rate. And it is pretty startling to see that 20-point difference in whip between Wainwright and Michaelis, despite kind of the similar strikeout walk rates, a little bit better, of course, for Michaelis. 
he works around the edges really well. Four seamers and sinkers and, and cutters and change-ups and curveballs. It's kind of kitchen sink. It's really more, those four pitches change up not so much. Curveball is that big one. Actually, four pitches above 20% usage in the four-seamer, two-seamer, uh, two-seamer being sinker, cutter, and curveball. But yeah, I kind of think Michaelis is more of a high three ZRA with about a 120 whip um, with, yeah, maybe a 20% strike rate, probably not. And that's it. He's not this good. He, he really, really is not. Uh, he's not going to have a sub eight hits per nine again, especially not with that walk rate where he just kind of throws these strikes and hopes for the best a lot. It just doesn't really add up to a legitimate starter, sadly, for another year. I'm not against necessarily rostering Miles Michaelis. I think it's not really that good to start him early on. I don't want to start him against the Jays. And if he goes in that game, the series against Atlanta, I don't want to do that. But if he gets the first game of the Brewers, then okay. I'm in on that one, right? But then you like look at the end, of course. My point here is that Michaelis might be even a kind of a headache early on, say for the Brewers start, and doesn't really give you too much of pushing the needle in your direction. So... Miles Michaelis isn't really the kind of guy you go for. And look, I'm not saying that he won't necessarily be of value in 2023. He could be. It could be similar to this, maybe a 3-5 ERA and a 110, 113 whip, and that might be the case. But in your drafts, this is not the kind of pitcher that you should be going after. This is just not high enough of a ceiling. I'm so happy Michaelis just had that blissful year. But there's going to be someone else on your waiver wire that you're going to want to chase that's like this. That's, you're going to find a 329 ERA and a 103 whip on the waiver wire. I guarantee you. We don't know who it is yet. But as long as you're attentive and you don't just sell out that it's Michaelis from the beginning, then you'll actually be able to find who that pitcher is. I should probably have a name for who that would be or not by now, but I don't know. I, I haven't really given too much thought to that yet because I don't really care. We'll find out in the first couple of weeks of the season. And there are more interesting guys I think you should maybe consider drafting on your fantasy teams. Is it Jack Flaherty? Is it Jordan Montgomery? Is it Steven Matz? Maybe there's actually someone else to consider. And we'll talk about all those pitchers after this break. Jack Flaherty is the biggest name of the group. Only 36 innings last year. 4-2-5 ERA, 1-6-1 whip. Doesn't really matter. As Jack Flaherty hasn't been the guy we wanted him to be for a while. 2019, he had that unbelievable second half. And then 2020, well, it was a shortened season, 4-9-1 ERA, wasn't great. 2021, Flaherty shows up, and he's doing excellent things until he gets hurt, and it's a shoulder, and then they try and rush him back, and it doesn't quite work, so they put him in relief. So then we enter this year, or 2022, and the shoulder's bothering him again, but then the oblique kicks in, and maybe it's possible the oblique is a product of him dealing with the shoulder injury and changing the mechanics and overcompensating as he didn't get surgery for this. And I kind of believe this. I believe this this tale of Flaherty having shoulder problems and never quite addressing it. And I don't want to buy in. It, simply put, he came back last year. He didn't quite look the way we wanted him to. I mean, he hasn't really looked the, like the man we want, say, for about five months of his career. You know, the second half of 2019 and the first three to two to three months, really two months of 2021. That's it. That's all we're basing it off of. And when Jack Flaherty is at his best, I mean, that 2019 was a sinker being too good in the second half. That's not going to stick. 
but really it's sliders having a 20% swing strike rate and the four-seamers being good enough. And the four-seamers never been an elite pitch. It's not like Woodruff's four-seamers or, or Zach Wheeler's or Carlos Verdon's or Robbie Ray's. It's nothing like that. It's just good. It's fine. And really relies on that slider to be everything. And the slider isn't elite. It is not your prototypical, oh my gosh, look at that slider. I, I know he can trust that and it's going to work. And over the years, Jack Flaherty's had a depressed hit per nine. Maybe I'm underrating that four-seamer. It has had under 25% hard contact during those years. But I get a sense that Jack Flaherty was at his peak and needed to be at his peak with everything for him to be the guy we want him to. And it's hard to envision him being at that peak again, given the turmoil he's had with health. So I'm likely out. Where Jack Flaherty is going in drafts is around a lot of these other pitchers who are big question marks and ifs. Um, I originally had him paired with someone like Frankie Montas or uh, Lucas Giolito. And I would much rather have both of those guys. I believe the NFBC ADP agrees with this sentiment, but... Still, I, I agree with that. I'd rather go after Dustin May uh, than, than Jack Flaherty, right? I, I think Flaherty is is at the bottom of the barrel of those formerly great but health is hurting pitchers that you generally do want to go for. I wouldn't chase it earlier than, what, the 18th round? Something along those lines. I mean, I you can make even an argument that, I mean, yeah, I think I'd rather have Kenta Maeda. I'd rather have Mike Soroka over Jack Flaherty. That's where I'm at right now, because both of those I think we can make a better decision on in spring. We might be able to make a better decision on Jack Flaherty in the spring, um, but I don't think velocity is going to be a huge deal there, and I feel that if Kenta Maeda and Soroka are looking normal, there's still a little bit more hope that they'll stay normal uh, and be better through the year. It's a tough one. I think that I'm going to allow someone else to take Jack Flaherty, but I'm happy if it gets to be a point where I have Jack Flaherty at, you know, in my drafts. I'm not necessarily saying, oh no, what have I done? I have Flaherty on my teams. No, I just don't want to give up something that is more money in the bank um, than Flaherty. That's all. Jordan Montgomery is someone that is, you could say, more money in the bank. 9-6 record, 178 innings last season, 3-4-8 ERA, 109 whip, and about a 25% carry rate with a 5% walk rate. The Yankees dealt Jordan Montgomery halfway through the season, really at the deadline, to the Cardinals. And all the Yankee fans lamented as, oh, that August was blissful. Six of his seven games after being dealt, he allowed just two earned runs total. Yes, he got a little bit lit up in one of those games, but that's beautiful, including one game against the Yankees. Actually, the first start he made after being dealt from the Yankees was against the Yankees, which the odds of that are hilarious, considering it's the St. Louis Cardinals versus the Yankees. How often do you see that? Now... The Cardinals didn't just fix Monty, though. The final four games of the season, 15 earned runs allowed by Jordan Montgomery. Not what you want to see. He is not fixed. He's not done, and there you go. And how he gets his outs is with a sinker, curveball, changeup, four-seamer. The sinker, I think, is the one pitch that matters the most when the sinker has success. The changeup is the pitch against righties. The curveball is the pitch to the lefties. Four-seamer was used a little bit more for the Cardinals earlier on and we thought maybe that was the reason why honestly it really isn't that good of a pitch the four seamer for john montgomery and it's more that he faced the brewers and rocky road and the cubs twice and the nationals during that excellent stretch that i outlined that's really the impetus i think for when montgomery did well and of course he combined it with a good defense with arenado and goldschmidt at the corners 
That's Jordan Montgomery. I don't think he's going to live up to the 14% swing strike rate that he had. It seems like, wait, that shouldn't that be like a 27%, 28%? Generally, you can double the swing strike rate to get a, stri- to get a strikeout rate. Nope. Not the case for John Montgomery, as he doesn't put away guys well with the changeup. That's where he gets a lot of the swing strikes from. Doesn't put guys away. And it's a low sub-60% strike rate with a curveball. It means he's still inefficient. And I don't think it's going to be massively different next year. However... Is he good for your fantasy teams? I think so. I think Jordan Montgomery's going to get you some wins and a decent amount of strikeouts and help you with the ratios. Like, he's kind of a Toby. A little bit better than one. Just slightly better. So, I'm probably going to have him around, what, like 60? Something like that. Which means, again, he should be drafted in 12-team leagues. I don't think he's going to be better than this past season. 109 whip, I think, is generous. The walk rate should get worse than 5%. And He's fine. He's like an SB6 to me. I'd say you need to take chances more um, than Jordan Montgomery, but if you need some filler innings and when you have a lot of risks, yeah, Jordan Montgomery fits the bill. Um, we have three more guys to talk about. First is the number five for the Cardinals, who's Steven Matz, who is Steven Matz. Five and three last year, 48 innings, 525 ERA, 125 whip, 26% carry, 5% walk rate. It's kind of hard to look at Matz's 2022 season and you really get a sense of it, but if you go back to really before the injury, um, where it was a knee and a shoulder injury. It was eight, actually nine starts of actually being productive. Uh, actually, I should say eight. The ninth was four pitches, and he was out. It was eight starts, and a bit of a cherry bomb. He allowed 700 runs and 80 runs in two of those. But the others, well, kind of good. And across all eight starts, it was a 27% strikeout rate and just a 5% walk rate. And it makes me wonder. I mean, Steven Matz was pinpointing sinkers. He had a 14% swing strike rate with a sinker across 2022. 48 innings, but still, wait, you're not supposed to do that, Steven Matz. Changeups are good down and glove side as well. And I think across an actual healthy season, Steven Matz could be very productive for even a 12-teamer. That said, health is a very big question. It's not a good schedule to start the year. And we don't really know if he can pick up where he left off there. So, Steven Matz, not necessarily a target of mine. I think for NL-only leagues or best balls or 15-teamers, I'm cool with it. It'll likely be Atlanta plus cores to start the year for Steven Matz. Not fun, as I think he's going to be the number five, which means the first start of cores and the second start against Atlanta. But still someone to consider Steven Matz. It might be something in a 12-team where you just don't go after him in the beginning. He's not doing well. No one touches him. Then after cores, you go and get him. We'll see. You can take it from there. Now, it's important to understand who is after Steven Matz in the pecking order for the, the Cardinals. Steve Matz, series of injuries. Jack Flaherty, series of injuries. Wainwright's getting older. Cam Michaels do 200 plus innings again, right? And Jordan Montgomery, we hope that he can just be fine every five days. That said, there are two guys. I think the first option for the Cardinals is going to be Dakota Hudson. We've seen it. We've seen it over the years. 100, about 40 innings last year, 87 record, 445 ERA, 145 with 13% K rate, 10% walk rate. Oh boy. Dakota Hudson is the is the prototypical sinker, ball, sinker baller who is a desperate stream on a Saturday or Sunday for a quality start. I mean, one day he can go like six innings of four walks and three Ks and zero earned runs, and then allow six earned runs and three innings the next day. You don't want to chase this. There's no world where you actually really want to roster Dakota Hudson. His stuff just doesn't miss bats, and you don't do the sub-8% overall swing strike rate. He's not the interesting one. The interesting one is Matthew Libertor. And I know last year was not a good debut, but he was 22 years old. 
597 ERA, 173 whip, 17% carry, 11% walk rate. We've seen this before from young guys having debuts looking really bad. He only had 34 innings, went two and two. But what was cool was that when he first came up, he sat 92-93, just generally unimpressive. I didn't really like the stuff that he had. The curveball wasn't good enough, and the slider was whatever, and it's just not fun. However, by the end of the year, he came up in July a little bit, in August. He was around 94 at that time. I was like, oh, maybe this is kind of interesting. His last game of the year, he went five innings over 90 pitches. This is literally the last day of the season, that Wednesday. And Matthew Libertor sat 95 miles per hour on his fastball with his slider up over three ticks. We're talking about 87 miles per hour as opposed to 83, 84. Now, he only threw it about five, six times, but it's there. And, ooh, mm, I'm interested. I am so curious to see if this 23-year-old now can continue developing. There is already a velocity jump. Something clicked with the guy to do that. Considering he didn't have this in his MLB debut, which is where you have the most adrenaline, and then about three, four months later, he's doing this? He's going up two ticks on his heater? Something clicked, and it wasn't much uh, much time for him to really come into it. Might be one of the biggest sleepers for best ball leagues is Matthew Liberator. Because everyone looks at last year sees how bad it was. But then that one start showed what's possible. Yeah, that's oh, that will always be of intrigue, considering also the Cardinals have not added anybody. Watch me right after this. You're going to hear me edit in that they signed somebody. You traded for somebody. But as of right now, on January 10th, they have not added anybody. And I would imagine Liberator has a decent chance to get a sizable amount of innings this year. So be on the lookout for him. But all right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Plus Pitch Podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. They go a long way for us. And as I will continue the rest of the series tomorrow with the Tampa Bay Rays. But as of today, that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.